0: It has been a uh, great, uh, great insight going through the book of Romans, not just with Mark, but with Peter and Victoria. I've learned a great deal as they've kind of uh, opened up the book for us. And sometimes we tend to look at the book of Romans, you know, as these separate chapters, but really it's a flow. And those chapters are relative, you know, those were put in there uh, but we need to see this as a continuous flow. So as we talk about chapter 14, we need to remember that it's connected to chapter 13. So, you know, Paul is starting in chapter 11 and ch- in chapter 12, as Mark explained, you know, telling us, you know, what does a Christian look like? What does a mature Christian look like? And then Paul starts explaining what does a Christian look like in the world? And today we're going to talk about how do we look like a Christian to each other? So we're going to have kind of a family meeting today. And if you don't know me, I'm Chaplain Bill. I'm your pastor behind the walls at the New Hampshire State Prison. Yes. And there's good things happening in the prison, thanks to uh, some of you, or many of you, that also give to some of the ministries that are going on in there and, and volunteer there, and I'm very grateful for that. One of the things that I, I kind of came to my mind as I was reading chapter 14 and you can go there now if you have your bibles is that you know we on the outside here if we have a problem with someone in the church we can just go somewhere else so if we're offended by somebody we can just go to another church and and get offended by a whole new group of people right we don't have to stay and be offended by the people here we can do that but at the prison it's just there's only one chapel so when people come to the chapel they have to reconcile with the center next to them in some way. And there's lots of differences that people have in the prison. You know, it's you get people from different cultures and different backgrounds and some people grew up in the church and some people never heard the chur- of the church before, you know, they got saved in prison, so you, they bring all these different customs with them and you really have to like make a decision and some people don't come to church because of the people that come to church. And there's people in the prison that, you know, they've been, you know, in some cases very good Christians, but they don't come to church because this person comes to church and they, they don't believe this thing about the Bible. And, or maybe they do this practice when they're not, you know, when they're in their living unit. So it's very divided. And it troubles me because... You know, the unbelievers in the church, and I deal with all kinds of religions in the church, and the other religions, when they see this division, you know, they they say, well, you're no different than, you know, the rest of the people out there. You know, you guys, you know, there's nothing distinctive about you. And that's what kind of Paul is going to talk about in this chapter. And I'm going to read the first four verses of this chapter, and... For the rest, I'm going to invite you. It's only 23 verses, so go ahead at some point and read because there's, this is a very practical chapter and I'll go into some of that and I'll bounce around after I read these verses. But let's start in chapter 14, verse 1, where it says, Welcome anyone who is weak in the faith, but don't argue about disputed matters. One person believes that he may eat anything, while another one is weak, eats only vegetables. One who eats must not look down on one who does not eat, and one who does not eat must not judge the one who does because God has accepted him. Who are you to judge another household servant? Before his own Lord he stands or falls, and he will stand because the Lord is able to make him stand. And there's a couple of things in here we might, you know, want to look at and kind of question, you know, what is a disputed matter? And some of your uh, Bibles, depending on the translation, it might say a difference of opinion. You know, don't argue over things that have, uh, you know, that are highly opinionated. And we love to do that. Don't we, we like to argue about certain things? But a disputable matter, by definition, is, not, is something that's not settled. So in this entire chapter, we're not talking about settled matters. So we're not talking about things like adultery or embezzlement or, you know, the, those things that we all know are wrong. The essential things of our faith, the gospel. So, you know, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone. Okay, those are essentials of our faith. We're not talking about that in this chapter. And when you read chapter 13, you know, Paul just explained, don't go out there like the world you know, and drunkenness and all these other things that we're not supposed to do. Those are, those are not disputed matters. So, you know, we're talking about things that, you know, maybe have, you know, we say in our, in our faith that, you know, scriptures have one meaning but many applications. So maybe this is a difference where, you know, people are applying the passage in, their, in the way that they understand it. But not in a way that's sinful. And we know that because when we, Paul sees that, when, when Paul sees people trying to change the gospel, or he sees people trying to uh, bring sin into the church, he always slaps it down. When you read Galatians, Paul does not pull back the punches, does he? In fact, he he makes some suggestions that are I can't even say from up here about, you know, accidents and circumcision that he wants to happen, right? That's how he feels about people trying to distort the scriptures. And he doesn't do that here. So that means that these are not people that are trying to change the essentials of the faith. These are people that are trying to honor God and what they're doing. But there's some differences of opinion. And he talks about weaker brother, you know, people who are weak in the faith. And, and looking at what that means, he's not talking about people who, who, are, who are weak in obedience, right he's not talking about people that are weak in their um, in their in their um, in their conviction okay in fact sometimes it's the opposite people are you know people who are weak in the faith have very strong convictions so people who are weak in the faith in in this chapter you know paul is talking about people that maybe they have something missing in their faith you know there's some misunderstanding or or a piece that's missing as they're trying to apply What God has said. Or maybe, you know, they have some wound in their past. You know, I think the first thing I think of is, uh, you know, if you're an alcoholic, uh, so, you know, alcohol, you know, you you stay away and you, you have strong beliefs and strong convictions about alcohol, right? So weak in the faith does not mean weak mind or anything like that, right? It's talking about, you know, when you see God's word, there's something where you take a step back, and I'll, I'll explain that because in, in, in the example that Paul uses about eating meat, because uh, this is a great example of how we disagree in the church. Now, back in, in Paul's day, you know, things had changed where, for the Jewish people, they were identified and distinctive as God's people, and God gave them things that they did as ways to make them distinctive from the rest of the world right? So it started with Abraham, and in Abraham, God made the promise that the whole world was going to be blessed through his descendants, the Jewish people. So he made them distinctive. He made them set apart, and one of the ways he made them set apart was how they ate, and not just what they ate, but how they prepared it. They needed to be clean. Everything needed to be clean before God, right? So the Jews were distinctive. How did you know how, you know, a Jewish person from a Gentile well, circumcision was one, but also how they, how they ate, hand-washing ceremonies, all these other things. They were a distinctive people because of the way God told them how to eat and handle their food. Well, uh, years later, when Jesus came, he fulfilled the law. We say that Jesus fulfilled the law, and what does that mean? Well, one of the things it means is Jesus said that it's not what you put into your body, it's what comes out, Right? He taught us that holiness is not just the rituals that we do. It starts on the inside. And if you read the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 10, the apostle Peter was uh, taking a nap in the afternoon. He had a vision. He had a vision, and God gave him a vision and spoke to him of food coming down in a blanket. Every kind of food, of creatures crawling and all these things. And he was like a little disgusted by it. And God said, hey, Peter, kill and eat. You can have everything here. And Peter, like he always does, says, no, no, I can't do that. (laughs) You know, I would never dishonor you, God. I would never do that. He says, no, no, he said it again, kill and eat. He dropped the blanket three times, and he didn't really understand what it meant. And then God had sent Gentiles to Peter to bring him to the house of Cornelius. And Cornelius had also had a vision to see Peter, that he was going to come to his house. And when Peter got to his house, something occurred to Peter, because God told him, don't worry, just go. It's okay to go there. And he interpreted that vision that God gave me. He said, now I understand. When he went into the house, he told Cornelius and his family that, you know, God sent me here. And even though it's against the law for me to be here in your house as a Gentile, now I understand that when God makes something clean, that I can't call it unclean. Because God was now breaking down barriers. The law was given to the Jews. The gospel was given to the Jews first. But now God was pouring out his spirit on all people. And he's taking down barriers. Those laws that were separating Jews and Gentiles, God is breaking down barriers. Right? So those dietary laws are gone. Right? The progression of our faith where Jesus comes, fulfills the law, and he's separating those things that are dividing and keeping the gospel back. So now the gospel goes out from the Jews to the Gentiles. He breaks down that wall. And that's difficult for the Jews. In fact, when Peter goes back and tells the council of Jerusalem what happened, the first question out of their mouth, he says, hey, the gospel was just shared with all these Gentiles. And their first question was, you went to the Gentiles' house? Yeah. Not, hey, that's amazing. The gospel was shared with Gentiles, really? It's, what were you doing there? Because they couldn't accept, well, wait a minute, we have rules about that. But God broke down those rules. And in, when Paul's writing this letter to the Romans, you know, there's persecution going on and all kinds of things happening. And Paul has accepted, and many converted Christians have accepted that, hey, those dietary laws are gone. But there are some... They haven't accepted that yet. Okay, and this is, this is the weaker brother. So in, the, in, those in Rome, there are meats that they buy in the market. And they're concerned that the meats that they buy in this market, you know, not just pork, but how it's prepared. You know, it might be, maybe it was cooked in blood, or maybe it was cooked in milk, which is against their dietary laws. Maybe it was sacrificed to other gods. And if they, they eat that, that's like idolatry. So in their minds, they're saying, we can't have that. So just like Daniel, you remember Daniel when he's taken away into exile? He, you know, Daniel made that commitment. We all love that. You know, I will not defile myself by eating foods of, the, of this uh, new culture. And, you know, we take the principle of that of not defiling ourselves by living like the world. And Daniel did that. But, and that's, that's their mindset. I will, we will not eat the meat of these contaminated markets. Meanwhile, you had Christians under, the, under our new freedom in Christ to do that, to go ahead and eat the meat. Hey, they sacrificed to God. I buy the meat. I pray and say, God, thank you for the meat, and I enjoy. But they couldn't accept that. Because, you know, Jews, you know, they, they would not take the risk that that food might be contaminated by idolatry or the way it was cooked. So they wouldn't even buy it. And this is, they would put a hedge around the law, and this is what that means. So let's say this platform is the law, and that falling off the edge is sin. So we're free to walk around here. But the Jews, they don't want even to take the chance. So they would put a hedge around the law and say, yes, that's, that's what God says, but we want you to be up here. One, one step back, so that you don't even take a chance on sinning, Right? So weak, the weak brother puts a hedge around the law, either because of a misunderstanding of what God is saying or because they feel conviction to be back here. So those brothers that are not eating meat, even though they may hear, you know, God, those dietary laws don't exist anymore. They're like, oh, oh, wait a minute. I grew up, I grew up understanding that we can't do this. So my convictions tell me that I need to be here. And the other brother says, well, no. You know, we're, we're free to do this and there's some contention there because we run up against those hedges, other people's hedges. And, and now we're talking about meat and we don't usually have that problem. I don't have that problem, right? I love burgers and, and all that. I'm sure I've made one too many trips to McDonald's and maybe you have too. But we have, we have our own hedges, don't we? I mean, alcohol is a big one. Especially if you grew up in the church. I mean, I didn't grow up in the church, but I know a lot of people that did. And they were told from their youth, you know, alcohol is a sin. You cannot drink. Do not drink. Some, you know, some people grow up with, uh, with uh, tattoos. You know, those, those are evil. Tattoos are evil. And, and even bringing this up, I know some of you are saying, hey, they are evil. Right? I can, I can feel it. You know, I, I had a guy come into my office at the prison and said that, you know, he, he's been in there years. He says he's a Christian. He said he doesn't come to the chapel. I asked him why. Be, and he said because a couple of Christians told him that because he's got tattoos, he's going to hell. Yeah. All right? This is, a, this is a real issue. Now, if you, if you read up on tattoos, there's one passage. I think it's, what is it? Leviticus, you know, don't mark your body. But when you do research on that passage, it's not necessarily talking about tattoos. Now, I'm not saying go get a tattoo. And especially if you're underage, you know, honor your parents, right? Tattoos, disputed matter. honor your parents, one of the big 10, don't do it. God will be really upset and I'll, I'll get blasted, so don't do it, <laughs> right? So there are, there are certain things that, that we have, that we grew up with, that even though we may have freedom to do that, we may be up here and say, you know what? You know, I grew up with this and I I can't let that go. My conviction tells me I need to be up here. Meanwhile, people who feel free to have a glass of wine, or maybe you have a tattoo, you know, you, you say, Well, this is where I'm at. I'm enjoying my freedom in Christ. You know, I can do that. And how do we respond to that? How do we respond to those hedges that we run up against? And it's weird because, you know, when we start reading this chapter, it just like, seems like little things, like what meat do you eat or, or you know, having a glass of wine. It's, it seems like so small things. But then Paul starts dropping these big bombs, right, in the chapter. You know, we ask some really deep questions. You know, the first one is, who are you to judge? Right? Who are you to judge? Because we do that, don't we? When you run up against the hedge, when you see someone, when you're back here, you're like, look at that guy. Did you see the tattoo? Hey, that person watched Game of Thrones. Do you, do you believe that? And we judge, don't we? And the one down here is like, what is wrong with those people? They are so tight, right? They are so like, uh, I don't know, what they, in the 18th century? Right? Are we going to, you know, talk them out or coming back? I mean, don't we do that? We judge people. And Paul is asking, who are you to judge? Who are you to judge? We're going to be judged by Christ, right? You know, pardon the pun, but who died and left you, boss, is what he's saying. Isn't that what he's saying? We have one boss. And these are disputable matters. This is not the gospel, right? This These are things that we differ in opinions. And he goes even deeper, you know, not, you know, who are you to judge, but, you know, why do you judge? You know, what's going on in here? You know, why do you need to judge your brother on this kind of stuff? And for the one who's a so-called stronger brother, why do you look down on your brother or sister? You know, why do you have content for them? You know, if my conscience is grounded in God's word, and I want to go out and enjoy the word of God to its most expansive freedom, is that wrong? No. And at the same time, if, if I'm grounded in God's word, and I want to enjoy, you know, the presence of God in its most restrictive interpretation... Is that wrong? I would say it's not. But yet, there's something going on in here where we do something in our hearts that's where we're just attacking each other in the church. And Paul says that when we look down on our weaker brother, we cause brothers and sisters to stumble by tempting them in an area where they may be prone to sin. Maybe there's a reason. Somebody's over here and not over here. And yet as a stronger brother, we want to ridicule them or minimize them or maybe draw them into our way of thinking Well, maybe that's where God wants them. And by their conviction, that's where they need to be. In fact, Paul says that if you feel convicted to be over here, if you go against your conscience, you are sinning. Amen. And as a stronger brother, we need to accept our weaker brother and not bring them out of their conviction. One of the most profound things that I heard and changed my heart was in marriage. We went to a marriage conference and they said that the main job of a spouse is you're supposed to love your spouse and let God change them. And maybe that's the attitude we need to take in the church. When we see people doing things that we don't understand in these disputable matters. And when we judge others, we make ourselves hypocrites. Because if I'm focused on what you're doing in these little matters, then maybe I'm not paying attention to what I should be doing in my little matters. All honesty, I've learned that I am so... I've got so many things that I have to clean up. I don't have time to worry what you're drinking, right? Because I got a lot of work to do on mine. I'm concerned for you and the big things for sure. And Paul doesn't say don't talk about it. He says don't argue about it, right? If you want to share why you do what you do, by all means, but do it with a heart of love, not trying to change or hurt somebody. And what are you trying to do it for anyway? I mean, you know, what's the point? Have you ever nitpicked somebody out of a church? Maybe you have. Or maybe you have without knowing it. You know, sometimes we do that. We harass somebody or make them feel a certain way right out of heaven. Over what? What they had for lunch or what they watched on television? Or what they drank or what they ate? Listen, are we going to answer for that? Is it worth somebody's salvation to enforce our opinion on them? Or should we just accept them and pray for them? Right? Paul says that when we do that, we slander the good that we do. Do you have a conviction that you feel strongly about? Then let's use alcohol, but never not to drink. It leads to too many bad things. But when you use that as a bat to beat somebody up, you slander the good that you do. That conviction that you have, God's going to see right past it and look into your heart and how you're using that conviction to hurt somebody else. Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another. Then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring glory to God. Right? Our convictions only bring glory to God when our priorities are right. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. You know, one of the tough lessons I learned, I've been a Christian for 30 years, and one of the most difficult lessons that I learned was about being right. And I I wanted to be right. It was a... a, uh, I'm bipolar, it's part of my dysfunctionality. It's one of the things that made me successful in a lot of things that I was doing, but it also made me destructive in my relationships, my home, in my work, and as a believer. And I'm embarrassed in some of the ways that I treated people because I wanted to be right in what I was doing. But as I went along, God taught me that being right is not the highest good. That love is the highest good. 1 Corinthians 13.10 says, love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. In 1 Corinthians 13.2, it says, if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge... And if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. And this is why Paul is dropping bombs in seemingly small matters because they're big. They grow into these huge divisions in our church amongst believers. And we are a distinctive people the Jews were distinctive because of how they lived, what they ate, and other distinctives that God gave him, gave them. But this is our distinctive, given to us by Jesus. In John 13, 34, a new command I give you, to love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Your convictions only honor the Lord to the extent that you love your brother or sister. By all means, if you have a conviction, follow your conviction. If you're gonna be here, be here. If you're gonna be here, be here. But in all things, do it for the glory of God. We honor God by honoring each other. Amen. 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 We all have a lot to answer for. Let's not let this be one of them. That we couldn't do this basic command that Christ gave us. To love each other. I mentioned that this is a very practical chapter. And I listed out there's about a dozen or, or so do's and don'ts in this chapter. Go through. And see if you can point them out. But there's one in particular in verse 13 that I want to ask you to do today. It says, Decide never to put a stumbling block or pitfall in the way of a brother or a sister. Decide that today. Going forward, this day forward, that in disputable matters... That love is going to be your priority with a brother or sister. Now, maybe you've hurt somebody in the past. Maybe there's someone where you've had one of those arguments where you've judged them or condemned them or made them feel less than. And if God is speaking to you, maybe this is a day that you can reach out to a person and make amends offering forgiveness or forgiving someone so that we can be one. This is God's conviction for us that we be one in him as a testimony to the world. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just want to say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, and this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We want to say, Invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching.